Welcome back, Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Going along here, three o'clock hour. Can you sing every word to this song? No. Really? No, I cannot. I can sing a lot of it. <laughs> I love this song. I know, 1985. Is that what it is? A guilty pleasure, man. Whatever happened to Bowling for Soup? I don't know. See, look, Alex, Alex knows every word. Yeah. A resident. I just saw these guys last week. Oh, really? Oh, so they're still so around. That answers my question. Were they here in town? Yeah, they came with Real Big Fish. I miss Real Big Fish and Bowling for Soup. Man, now I'm feeling real bad. I should have gone to that concert. It's a ton of fun. What was their one other song? Always. Yeah, always. 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 Never ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Anyway, uh, we want to let you hear from B- the BYU side of things. We'll let you hear from Mark Harlan earlier, Utah's mm-hmm. AD. Now down to BYU. Jake had the opportunity to catch up with a couple guys one-on-one, uh, but you also wanted to get into a little bit of what Jeff Grimes had to say. Yeah, we talked about some of his quotes earlier on today's show, but I wanted to let you guys hear from him himself. And The thing about Jeff Grimes is he is a straight shooter. He's earned that reputation as a guy who just kind of lays it out how it is, and he doesn't necessarily uh, go overboard in praising his guys, but Yesterday, I felt like his comments were a little bit out of character for him because it seemed like he was praising at least two of his position groups. So let's get to the interview. Here's Jeff Grimes with the media after BYU practice yesterday. The mustache is back with, if you notice, a little added feature yeah. this year. Is that a Paul Kim? And, uh, yeah, that's retro back to like 1972 right there. My wife hates it even worse than the mustache, but I haven't seen her in about a week, so that's okay. <laughs> you just need the Sansa Belt shorts now to complete that. I'm not going that far, no. We're not going back that far. Well, what have you seen from the offense here the first few days? Um, a lot of energy. I'm really pleased with the way that they've shown up to practice. I think they've done the things this summer that you're supposed to do to show up and feel like you've earned the right to play well. And so I think they're excited about football, and I think um, it's certainly showing up in the way that we're playing. We're definitely way ahead in terms of our knowledge of the offense and our confidence level um, than at any time since I've been here. So those are the first two things. Negatives, um, we've, had a, we've had a couple of turnovers. We had one pick today. Um, we had a couple the first day, none yesterday. So our goal every day is to not turn it over at all. And so one is not terrible in a in a practice that that has this many opportunities for turnovers, but we want none. Um, our communication's gotten a little bit better each day. First day it wasn't very good. The last two days has been better. Um, a few too many penalties. Not not um, not over overly silly penalties, but we've had we've had a few um, false starts and we got to get rid of those. So. I think overall we're headed in the right direction, but a lot of things to, to improve upon. Is Zach playing catch up at all just with his recovery from the shoulder? He's, um, he's way ahead of where he's been at any time since I've been here. And um, what I said on media day was that I think he'll be ahead because of all the mental work that he's done. Um, but he's, he's so much further along in his overall knowledge of the game, knowledge of the offense, quickness in decision-making. And so I've been really impressed with what I've seen from him so far. How is his throwing motion and everything since getting his shoulder repaired? He's good. Yeah, you know, it, it, like anybody coming back from a, from a surgery that, that hasn't been doing everything, you know, it gets a little sore, a little tired. So we're monitoring his, his total number, his pitch count um, every day. Um, but he's, he's doing great and it looks fine. 
are you going to monitor, I mean, just evaluate the growth of the offensive line just as here through fall camp? What do you want to see them get improved Yeah, well, the first thing with the offensive line is I want to see them become the, the toughest guys on the offense. And um, I don't know if they are that yet or not. Uh, today was our first day in pads, so I'm going to have to watch film. Then we'll evaluate that. Um, but that's the first thing. They need to lead our offense in terms of toughness and grit. And uh, Coach Mateos is certainly doing all the right things in terms of building that, that culture and that identity. And I think they're certainly willing. Um, but I know we got a lot of work to do, too. What is, what is maybe typical of... Sorry, Dick? Could you get a 1,000-yard rusher out of this group? Um, I think we certainly could. Uh, I think the question will be how many guys deserve to get reps in the game, you know? And so if we, you know, last year we played running back by committee because we had to. We didn't have a lot of other options because we had so many injuries. Um, this year we might do it because we have so many options, not because we have to. And uh, that's not a bad thing. But if there's one guy who shows that he's clearly better than everyone else, then, then that'll certainly be reflected in the number of carries that he gets. But whether or not we get a 1,000-yard rusher, I think will be dependent on which direction we go there. What's, what, what's typical of a first day in shoulder pads, and how did today kind of match that or not? Um, typical of first day in shoulder pads is excitement and uh, a, a more, certainly a more physical uh, play than what you had the first two days. And I would say today was uh, probably about typical of what you'd expect. Good energy, pads popping. But you know what I think we've – we've done is a better job of staying off the ground you know if you go to an NFL practice um, they practice really hard and really physical and really fast and guys very seldom hit the ground and that's one thing we've been emphasizing this camp just because we had so many injuries last year that cost us down the down the road for sure so we're really working to try to do a better job of playing hard playing physical but staying on our feet so we don't create piles going back to the running backs uh, what impact has had as having a couple of grad transfers had on terms of developing the position. I think I think the impact of the grad transfers more than anything is just the competition level makes everybody better. And so um, when when you have talented players step in that that may be the guy or or, or not, they're going to push they're going to push everyone. And so the entire group is getting better because they're all having to work to to earn those reps right now. The tight ends finally back healthy. You got decimated there last year. Is it nice that you can actually get two tights again? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I love nothing more than to play with a lot of 12 personnel, particularly if you have tight ends like we do. If you can play with, with 12 personnel and line up in in any number of formations so that you can line up with two guys in a condensed formation and make the defense defend eight gaps, or you can line up in an empty formation because those guys are athletic enough to go out there and catch the ball and see how they're going to match up on them and maybe create some mismatches. Um, I think that makes it harder for a defense. And so, yeah, I'm really happy to have our tight ends back. And and the new guys that have joined us from, from missions in high school. Every unit needs to improve, but is there an area that you feel like needs to make the biggest improvement over the next couple weeks here as you get going through camp? Um, I think I'd, I think I'd start with the offensive line along with what I said before. If we're going to have the type of culture and uh, the type of identity that I'd like to have on offense, then that that starts with them. And if, if they'll play um, physical, play hard, then everything else that we want to do will work. How deep is that group right now? How deep do you want it to be? Um, I think I think we're one of the deepest lines that I've had. We've we've still got a couple of spots that are that are certainly up for grabs in terms of competition. Um, but I'm really pleased with the progress of the of some of the guys who um, 
who either didn't start or didn't start all of last year. And so competition there is good, and I think it'll it'll be a challenge in some spots just to see who makes the plane and, and see what our two deep is. What's the tallest O-lineman you've coached maybe, and where does Blake Freeland kind of fit into that mix? Uh, tallest I've coached is Nate Solder at Colorado. Um, who started as a tight end, and uh, he was he was 6'9", 265 when we moved him to offensive line, and then he became a 300-pound first-round pick. Um, Blake's Blake's close. To, uh, he's probably not quite that tall, but he's thicker. He's wider, broader. I mean, he's already 280 or a little bit more, and uh, and he's lean. I mean, he's he's going to be um, enormous, and so uh, he's got a ton of potential, but a lot of learning to do because he's never played the position. There you go. Jeff Grimes, BYU offensive coordinator. And I'm telling you, it's kind of out of character for him to kind of heap that praise on the offensive line and the running backs. But if, if that's him uh, thinking that this group's going to be good, it means BYU's offense might be a little bit underrated going into the season. Do you think they're going to really try to go run first or are they going to use Zach as more of the attacker? Uh... I know Jeff Grimes is a guy at heart. He's an offensive line guy, and he wants to run the ball. But they have a weapon there with Zach Wilson. If he's healthy, you're probably going to strive to go as balanced as you possibly can. Yeah, I feel like we're, we're going to see less of those sweeps and things like that this year. It's yeah. going to be more downhill running and let kind of Zach go to work through the air. Attack. I can see that. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it kind that. of shifted, like you said earlier, it kind of shifted away from that offense as mm-hmm. they made the transition into the Zach Wilson era, as it were. Yeah. And as long as his shoulder's healthy, I think they're going to really try to utilize what he does best. Absolutely. So it'll be it's going to be interesting. But, of course, if you want to have a high-flying passing game, you need wide receivers to do that. Yes. BYU's wide receivers have been talked about for the last seemingly forever. Can they break out? Because Matt Bushman has led the team in receiving yards for the last two seasons. Well, they got three seniors of this wide receiving core. Fessy Satake, the former Weaver State offensive coordinator, a guy who played the wide receiver position in his own right at Southern Utah. Well, I had a chance to talk with him one-on-one about his wide receiving core and some of the young guys coming into this program. So let's get to that conversation right now. Fessy Satake talking with myself at BYU Media Day earlier on this week. What can your position group in the wide receiving core on day one when you're only wearing helmets, you're still in this acclimatization period going on, what can your guys show and or do on day one? Um, first thing that pops off in my head is, is um, having pads on or not doesn't affect our, uh, our ability to execute a play, um, to line up in the right spot, uh, to be able to communicate, to understand the plays that we're running. The other thing is, is um, the, only, the only thing where pads comes into play is, is my ability to see guys break tackles um, and to see them you know, make contested catches, knowing that they're going to get hit, and then obviously being physical and being able to block in the run game or when a play pops loose. Other than that, I love still what I'm able to see out of my guys when they're just in helmets. You know, there's so many big plays that were made today, guys flying around, tough catches that were made. Um, and so whether we are in pads today or not, I think I was able to get a great gauge today on just um, what the guys are, are might be able to do. And, and, and even though it's day one and you can't see a lot, I actually was able to see – um, a lot of things I like today, so really optimistic about day one. You talked at media day about you know that your position group needs to yeah. step up this yeah. year. What have you talked to your guys about through, I guess, the rest of the summer here to get them ready to go? Well, uh, a big thing is them just kind of knowing the, the uh, shift of the offense. Um, there's going to be a lot of opportunities. And when you know you get a lot of opportunities, uh, uh, opportunities just 
mentally, psychologically, you know that you could play a little bit more laxed. Um, and, and I think that I haven't had to say much. I think they just understand that, you know what, between me and themselves, we put a, we, we applied a lot of pressure on ourselves last year, knowing that maybe we weren't going to get a, a lot of opportunities. It's like we talked about it. It's just sometimes, you know, that, that's the vibe we got, and that created some pressure. So now they've been able to just work through it and, and realize that, man, we're going to be getting a lot of opportunities. Balls are going to be coming, flying in the air, and so they've been able to play more loose and with a new level of confidence. Um, and like I said, in day one, at least just for now, I was able to kind of see that. Health-wise, your guys all pretty much good to go coming into camp? Yep, every single one of them. No injuries. And the guys who did have issues, Aleva, Gunnar Romney, those guys are 100%. No reservations, and, and which was nice to have all my guys today. So I, I was just going to ask you, as a coach, that's a pretty comfortable feeling. You know, hey, we're ready to go. Yeah. Like, we don't have to have, wait on anybody. I've, I've had, I had 13 guys today to rotate through, and I've, I haven't had that since I've been here. You know, I've always been kind of a little depleted and had to be real um, kind of just – smart and tactical in how I rotate, but it's been nice to have a deep group, and so hopefully they're able to stay healthy throughout camp. I wanted to ask you about two of your newcomers. Yeah. First off, Luke Andrada. I think we all have seen video of his track speed, what he did in Colorado at the prep ranks. What does he bring besides just that sheer speed factor? That's what I'm trying to figure out because today even you didn't even see the element of speed today because he's he's <laughs> rightfully so he's very in his head there's a lot of new plays it's day one I've never played receiver so he's thinking about not just technique he's also thinking about what's my assignment and there's a lot so we're unable to see that so my job is to get him to really understand the playbook and to play confidently now we're able to he's going to be able to showcase that speed and so what he brings that's kind of what I'm looking forward to you know hopefully you can be more than just you're just a guy that can um, make a big play so um, that's to be determined but but uh, like, like I like the uh, opportunity to have with him. Keanu Hill played in a primarily option-based offense yeah. so I know so I actually had a person ask me why are they recruiting a wide receiver from an option offense what does he bring? He um, arguably had the best practice today okay. of everyone made some huge plays um, big strong body he's actually one um, He's actually an extremely sharp freshman, okay. Texas kid. Mm -hmm. His uncle's Roy Williams. His dad got drafted. He's a football kid, and so I saw that as I've been meeting and talking. Things just make sense. He's able to spit off answers that not a lot of freshmen can do. So today, I think you were able to see him play with this level of confidence because he was he was playing more comfortable. So for mo for most freshmen on day one, you can see them playing timid. Keanu had a phenomenal day, and so I'm really excited um, about what the future holds for him. Last one I want to ask you is Javel Brown. What does he bring? He's uh he's he brings the position of cornerback. Okay. So I didn't see any of him today. All right. Um and we we put him at corner and if I get him back at receiver I'll I'll be able to give you a rundown on him. So is it, is it is kind of a back and forth to see how he pans out at different positions? Just yeah, to... exactly. That's what it was. So nice gum. I'll take this. So. All right. I guess the last thing for me, coach, is. Going forward in fall camp, you've talked about you want to see that your guys just kind of just step up and kind of embrace yeah. this. Do you have one or two guys that you've kind of placed that onus of leading this group on? Um, so I, I made it clear about the five kind of veterans. Okay. Um, but of those five, I've kind of put the kind of the brunt of the, the uh, work on the three seniors. Mm -hmm. Leva Hifo, Micah Simon, and Talon Shumway. Okay. Um, those are the guys who I know will always step up to the plate. And truthfully, Dax, Dax Milne and Gunnar Romney, like, I could do the exact same with them, but, um, and they have the same qualities. But I just like, as a coach, I like to give the seniors that opportunity because um, you know, they're in such a critical role with it being their last year. Um, they just got that you know, little element of extra passion because they know that this, this could be 
their 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 last year playing. Yeah. So right. so I've I've kind of given it to them, even though I have five guys that I really I have all the confidence in the world in. Awesome. Thanks so much, coach. Yeah. No problem. Thanks, man. There you go. Oh, I'm sorry. Festus Sataki, mm-hmm. Jake. Are these receivers ready to do this, or is it on to the next group that th- he was talking about there? Because we've talked about Aleva, we've talked about um, the guys he mentioned there, the seniors, the talent, yeah. Shumways, the Micah Simons, but we've been waiting on them, and we saw some things out of Micah. We've seen some things out of Aleva. We've seen some things out of Talon, but it just hasn't quite – the receiving core just hasn't quite been able to perform yet. And we've heard of the we've yeah. heard it from they can't get off their press coverage. They yeah. can't get off the press coverage. Yep. They can't get open. So what's going on with this receiving core? Are they going to so, be able to take their the next step? I've talked to some people, and of course, most of BYU's practices aren't open. But it sounds like Aleva Hefo has been awesome so far in camp. But of course, we're talking about guys. They finally put on shoulder pads for the first time yesterday. They haven't mm-hmm. been, been in full pads. Excuse me. Uh, so we'll see how that uh, continues on. If he stands out, I think he's a guy who has an NFL future in, 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 really? in terms of a sl- slot receiver. I huh. thought he had a great end of the season last year. I think he's going to have a big year this year. But guys like Micah Simon telling somebody need to step up this year. The guy that everybody's kind of pinned their hopes on as being that difference maker wide receiver for them is Gunnar Romney. The sophomore wide receiver, he came in with a lot of expectation of about what he could do as a freshman a year ago. Dealt with numerous injuries, a lot of hamstring issues that really uh, slowed him down as a freshman. He's done a lot of work in the offseason. He's noticeably bigger in terms of just his overall stature. He's put on some good weight, it appears. If he can actually live up to the billing that he had coming into the BYU football program, I think they've got one or two guys there that really could be difference makers for him this year. But they've got to go prove it on the field. So I had a chance to talk with Gunnar Romney, and we talked about the expectations of himself, but also it's just his health status going forward. Gunner, just early on in fall camp, when you guys are only wearing helmets, what can you guys show to the coaches as a wide receiver? Um, just your technique, your overall, your ability to work, your ability to know the playbook already, even though it's uh, it's early in the season, barely putting in installs, but just your ability to retain information and just read defenses and really pretty much just go through the basics of uh, of being a receiver i mean um receivers and, and dbs go at it pretty much the same even with without pads so it's just it's just all around good day of work good day of practice health wise you 100 percent now yes sir i'm feeling good finally ready to go how frustrating was that um it was it was really frustrating it came in with big expectations last year um wanted to get on the field early and uh, injuries held me back so i think it was more of a learning experience than anything um I had to learn to take care of my body better, and so that's what I've been doing, and so I feel good now. How's it been kind of adjusting? You had a whole year now in the collegiate game. How's it been adjusting to the speed of the game, et cetera? Um, I think last year, the the playing time that I got, it really helped me. I think I know what to expect this year. And this offseason, I think it really helped me prepare for that. Um, the, the Not only the speeds, the, the size and strength of some of these guys. That's what I had to work on this offseason, getting bigger and stronger, and just uh, overall just becoming more more physical, more athletic, and so I think it really helped me prepare for the season. There are three seniors in this position group, and you're only a sophomore, but I think a lot of people look at you as a pseudo-leader of this group. Do you kind of mm-hmm. see yourself as that in that role? Um, I definitely do. I think uh, even though we have seniors, they're, they're all great leaders. Mm-hmm. I think you're never too young to step up and, and hold a leadership position, mm-hmm. um, and you can't be afraid to, to voice your opinions, and you can't be afraid to step up and uh, hold others accountable. And so I think it doesn't really matter how old you are. You can be a freshman coming in and still be a leader. 
Zach was limited throughout the spring slash summer period that he talked about that pitch count he had. Mm-hmm. How much work did you get in with him? Um, you know, it was it was hard because he was he was uh, recovering most of the time, but we would we would work out even if it just wasn't throwing together. We'd work out together and kind of build that connection. And so the we the last couple of weeks when he's been healthy, we've, we've gotten quite a bit of work in just getting timing and stuff down. So I think it's uh, I wish we could have had a little bit more, but I think I think what we got was good. What's it like working with Coach Coach Satake? He's a he's an awesome coach. Not only not only is a good coach, he's a he's just a great guy. He knows his X's and O's so well, and uh, he's he's personable. Like you're not afraid to go talk to him about anything. And so having that type of personality in the receivers' room, um, you're it makes you w- more willing to ask questions and more willing to learn. You want to learn from a guy like that. When you so during fall camp, it's of course you guys try to keep each other healthy, and you guys aren't hitting as much. But when you finally get into those games, do you anticipate those hits right away or do you just kind of just leave that out of the equation you know, d- during when you're running a route or anything you don't really think about it okay. you're, all you're thinking about is the ball so like uh, the adrenaline's pumping so high you don't really even feel it until after the game that's when that's when you feel it so I think it's, it's better that way so you don't you're not worrying about you know getting blown up by a linebacker going across the middle but um, it's 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 better that way just have to go out there with no fear and act like you're the only one out there Okay, last thing. Who's the better athlete, you or your brother? I gotta say, me. I mean, no question. <laughs> well, okay. You also have another brother that's a high schooler as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you ask them, and they'll all give you different answers. They all say they are, but my personal opinion is is what I think is right. How cool is it that all three of you guys play different positions? It's it's awesome, actually. Growing up, like, it, it helped a lot. Like, my older brother is a quarterback. My younger brother is a defensive player, and so it just it pretty much helped all of us get better. I mean, we're we're not only like competing against each other we're working out together and just helping each other grow awesome thanks so much gunner appreciate it there you go gunner romney he's a guy i think that so many of these younger guys are gonna have to step up this year they are and maybe it's because we've seen a few years out of some of these older players and haven't really produced the way uh that we thought they should coming up up to this point and we're hearing things that uh, you know, Hifo's having an amazing camp so far, and Micah Simon, he can be great, but maybe some of these younger guys are going to have to step up this year. They are they are going to have to step up. That's the, that is that is exactly it. I've talked about this season for BYU being maybe a, a, a setup for 2020 to be the payoff year in a way for, for Kalani Satake and his team. Oh, you don't going into the hardest season schedule they'll ever have. And I get that. <laughs> I, I, I get that. But I'm just saying, let's say this team goes out, wins seven or eight games. Yeah. That's where most people kind of peg them. And this is a team that's pretty young. The quarterback's a sophomore. The star mm-hmm. receiver that you expect to break out's a sophomore. The offensive line, there's not a senior amongst them. Well, there's one senior, but he's not going to be in the starting lineup. Yeah. If And the defense has got plenty of talent in its own right. So if you have a good year, seven, eight wins this year, you show that you're pretty good. I think the hype train going into 2020 is even bigger uh, if you have a good season this year, it kind of sets you up to mm-hmm. maybe make a push at nine or ten wins the following season. But you have to go prove it this year. And like you said, that schedule, yeah, this ain't no cakewalk. Well, there. I don't know if there's ten wins on 2020. Also, true. But I'm just saying this year I think would help build hype. If they go out and right. have a decent year, put seven or eight wins, well, the natural progression for fans is to say, well, okay, can you get nine or ten wins now? You never know. I, I, I would, I'd, ha- I'd have my reservations because, like you said, that 2020 schedule is no – it's not easy. No, it, it doesn't start off with four power five opponents. No, it does not. But it's still got plenty of mm-hmm. plenty of good teams on it. Yeah, it's gonna be fascinating. They're probably gonna go what two and two in the first four, and then I think beat best, a couple rivals otherwise. And, best case scenario, you go two and two there. Yeah, I don't think you do any better than if you do anything any better than that. 
then you're on the fast track to the hype train taking off for this season. Some of the things they've got going for them is a rivalry is you you never know how a game like that's going to go against mm-hmm. Utah. I would pick Utah because they've won so many in a row, and I think they're a better team, but it's a rivalry game, so who knows. Tennessee is a down SEC team. Yeah. Uh, USC, you're getting them at a good time early in the year when they're going to be trying to figure things out. And Washington, replacing a lot of key components. So maybe you come in there with some experience and you're able to get a win. We saw them do that last year. They went into Wisconsin. We were able to get a big win out of that. Shocking. Yeah, but it was a big-time win for them. So if they can – Knock off a couple of these big dogs early. You're setting yourself up to have yep. a good year. All right. Uh, we'll have more coming up next here. Uh, Adrian Lizer, Jay Catch here on the Saturday Show. Welcome back to the Saturday Show. Thanks for joining us. Final half hour of the show today it's kind of flown by today Adrian. it just feels I like know. rolling along so show often moves pretty quick it all does. of a sudden it's dinner time well i have people all the time ask me how do you guys do three hours well, you'd be surprised it goes by pretty quick yeah it does like, they're like well what are you talking about I'm like we got plenty of stuff to talk about we yeah, always yeah. do we always have something that you have something to talk about we talked to some byu football last segment adrian i wanted to uh, talk a little bit rehash some of the headlines we've we've touched on today's uh show that we've already covered let's get back to them because People are out and about on a Saturday and they're listening to all three hours. We appreciate those of you that sit with us for three hours. It's great. It's a blast to have you guys on board. But let's start off here. Draymond Green is getting $100 million in a four-year extension to remain as a part of the core of the Golden State Warriors. You said earlier on in the show you feel like, hey, people thinking that the Golden State Warriors are done, this really indicates, yeah, they're not done. They're they're still going to battle. Or at least they believe that these three guys that they've had their entire run mm-hmm. are still able to get it done even without Kevin Durant. They obviously believe in them, absolutely. Yeah, they, they, I, I, I don't, I'm not on the Warriors are dead and gone bandwagon. I think that they're going to be different coming into this year, of course, with Klay Thompson being hurt. Uh, they think maybe they've got a stopgap with, D'Angelo Russell, and maybe he's a guy. Maybe he's moved to like the Suns at the trade deadline. They just kind of use his services until Clay Thompson is feeling better and uh, back from injury, and then they put Clay back into this lineup and mm-hmm. they get some pieces maybe from someone around the NBA for for uh, D'Lo, and uh, and and then you see what you can do from there. But I, I think the Warriors have a chance to still be pretty good. Um, they're all in their prime right now. And ready to go. You you're less convinced that the contract was a good idea, but I think we can agree that if Draymond can return to any sort of uh, the kind of player he has been, as he was never the big time scorer, but he no. was kind of the glue that held everything together. If he can return to that, then I think the Warriors are going to be pretty potent. Yeah, and they they're going to need him to return to that because oh yeah, they I, need it. They don't I have Durant to kind of offset. Things. Yeah, as yeah. I as I mentioned earlier, they now have committed a hundred and twenty nine million and one hundred and thirty eight million yeah. in the two seasons beyond this season. So when this extension kicks in for uh, Draymond Green, hundred and thirty plus million dollars each season committed to just four players on a fifteen man roster. So yeah, you've got to hope that this guy is entering his tw- age twenty nine season. It's been a little bit of a diminishing return the last couple of years. Really kind of with Durant no longer on this team, returns to what he once was. I'm less convinced than you are, but I also I also agree with you in the fact that um, I still think the Warriors are going to be an absolute force in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. I, I, 
I don't know what's going to be in the West. You know, last year I thought the Lakers were going to be a uh, yeah. playoff team. So who yes. knows what's actually going to happen? But well, they were a playoff team until LeBron got injured, and then he decided it was shut it down. But yeah, um, the Warriors. I just it's hard for me to believe that an MVP and two two other Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers, can't get it done when they're not all in their late thirties right now. Yeah. Now, obviously, they're going to have to put some pieces around them. I think they've done an okay job of that. They need some more scoring. I don't think Willie Cauley-Stein and Kevon Looney are going to get done for you. And if you keep D'Angelo Russell, then I think you're pretty good. You're going to play small, but that could be a pretty good team if you decide to keep him. You're telling me yes. Steph, D'Lo, Clay, and Draymond can't make it work? Come on. That's some scoring well, right there. Well, it should work. I, yeah. I think that's the thing. It should work. So uh, let's hope it does, and let's hope everything plays out the way that, that – I think Warriors fans want it to, and they continue to be a team that is that is in the mix in the NBA because I think with them uh, playing at their best, it makes the NBA that much more compelling to watch. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I know there are Jazz fans probably sitting out here saying, no, we want them out of the way. We want to have our time in the sun. Well, guess what? If you want to beat the best, you got to yeah. – if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. You have to go prove it. Yep. So – I, I, yeah, it would be great if you had a couple of teams that maybe fell off a little bit and let the Jazz get past them. But I do also think that the Jazz realize that it's not going to be easy. So they've went out and they've bolstered their roster, and I think it's going to be an absolute grind this year. But it should be a grind that is compelling at the very minimum. Uh, Jake, some other news coming across a little bit ago in uh, the NFL. Uh, Antonio Brown uh, hasn't been to any of Raiders camp quite yet. Yeah. And uh, apparently today he's going to see a foot specialist. Yeah, that's if you're a Raiders did fan. Did you see the picture that he put out on the of the bottom of his feet? I did not see that. Don't look at it. It's gross, but it is blistering. There's just stuff is peeling off of it. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> he's got something going on with his feet and uh he's going to go see a specialist and hopefully Antonio Brown can get out on the field because he's an exciting player, but Hard Knocks that is getting awful. going. Yeah, don't. Hard Knocks debut is tomorrow night. I think, or maybe early next week. Uh, I don't know, but either way, he's a guy who they need to play oh, yes. to find any success. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, absolutely. You're talking about one of the, if not the best, wide receivers in the NFL. He's going to be a foot specialist. I'm kind of terrified, but also want to look up that picture. I'll probably look it up in the break and gag as I look at it. But It's gross. It look, It sounds bad if, you, if you're saying He no. needs to see a specialist. <laughs> Something's going on with them feet. He's got to yeah. Okay, well, they do need him because – John Gruden, I'm not sure what. No, I don't know if these. Sorry, I don't know if these things have to do with each other. But yeah, the picture but based on this doesn't look gross. ideal. Yeah. yeah, let's put it this way: John Gruden, I'm not sure what he's doing there in Trying Oakland. To kill dreams, man. Maybe so, but that's what he said. I know, but he also said he likes Nathan Peterman. How does that guy keep getting opportunities? Nathan Peterman. He must be really man. good at practice, and then when he gets into a game, he throws seven picks and <laughs> gets you a first round pick. I guess I don't know. <laughs> It did not go well with the Bills. Every time they put him out there, Let's put it, it this was way. over. I'm not going to make this comment on the air, but I just, that comes back to a coach who told me back in the day about a local player and his practice habits versus game habits. Really? Yeah. Just, I, I'm not, Ooh, I'm not gonna, I really want to know that. I'm not going to mention names on that one on air. It's not It's not fair to the player uh, the, the comment was made about. But that you're right. Nathan Peterman, it's a uh, – man, talk about nine lives. Yeah, he's got seven picks and five picks in his two seasons in the NFL to My three touchdowns. So he's got three touchdowns to 12 interceptions. 
and he just keeps popping up he on keeps rosters. By, yep, he keeps getting on rosters. And guess and he what? Keeps, he People, keeps getting game time. Yeah, he, he keeps cashing checks. That's the yeah. biggest thing. Like, hello, uh, yeah, I'll take that million dollars you want to offer me this year. No problem. I'll just stash it away in the bank. So props to Nathan Peterman. As PK likes to say all the time, there are no losers in sports. You hear a lot of people say that. It's true. These guys are making big-time money and more power to them. But, yeah, Nathan Peterman, talk about a just a weird situation yeah. all the way around. Uh, and also some other news and notes, all these uh, running backs sitting out. Mm-hmm. That sounds like uh, Melvin Gordon's going to – wants to be traded wants now. Wants to be traded now because the – uh, Chargers are not budging on their $10 million a year offer. And he wants 13 He yeah. wants in the neighborhood of Le'Veon Bell, who got it from the New York Jets finally after yeah. sitting out a year. Yep. Then uh, Ezekiel Elliott is in Cabo enjoying uh, his training regimen down there. Okay, Zeke, what are you doing, bud? Like, if you're the Cowboys, what's your order of extensions of Amari, Dak, and Ezekiel? Who, um, who are you going to offer money first? Yeah. I think we can guess because Jerry Jones's comments where he said yeah. you don't have to win with a running back. You don't need you don't need, you don't need uh, you don't need the uh, rush leader. You don't need the best running back in the NFL to win a Super Bowl. So yeah. that's his way of kind of putting some leverage out there with Zeke's camp. I understand that. The funny thing is, the guy I would extend first is Amari Cooper. I would too. That's what I, I'm on you with that. Because I know you Dak, can argue you got to argue you got to go with Dak, but if you make Dak Prescott even close to the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, you're He's that's not a, a he's not a top a bad, ten guy. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm with you. He's probably top half of the NFL. Sure, top sixteen, top fifteen uh, of the starters. Yes, in the NFL? absolutely. Yeah. But he's right around there, I would say. What you're looking at having to pay him? What What's the latest deal? Is it thirty some odd million yeah, now t- to get into the neighborhood of highest paid? Yeah. I I I if I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm like, really, really, but. I think Jerry's in love with Dak. Honestly. He really is. Yeah. I think he is. So I, Dak's probably going to get his money. Probably, Zeke probably going to get played hardball with. Yeah, he's probably you know he's one of the two best QBs in his division. But go give the money to Amari Cooper because he's worth it. Yeah, you got traded there, and all of a sudden it was the fact that the Raiders gave up on him was dumb, 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 dumb. Well, yeah, they've <laughs> given up on a lot of people. I know, but I'm just saying. Khalil Mack wrecked my dreams for <laughs> two weeks. Khalil Mack, what a stud! When he just he. Single-handedly destroyed the Vikings. Well, he, he that guy is. And one not man. only did that to not just the Vikings, but to many other teams. Yeah, he is a one-man wrecking crew, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, coming up on the other side, we're going to wrap things up, make way for the movie zone. Also, if you're thinking out there, what sport you would want to play if you could make it? Hmm. Uh, think about that over the uh, the course of the break. If you could make it in a professional sport, what would you do? One guy in uh, this world didn't give up on his dreams. And uh, he may have found himself as a professional athlete. We'll talk about that next. If you haven't heard that story, that's coming up on the Saturday show. Wrapping things up here, Saturday show. Adrian, Jake, and Alex along for you, along with you on this ride. We're talking a little Murray High School and how it's very orange in that gym. Huh, Alex? Go Spartans. Go Spartans. Absolutely. I'm getting used to orange as the new color that, it, like, because Brighton has orange and blue, and so I'm getting used to orange. Go Bengals. Go Bengals. <laughs> getting a new school. Sweet. Under construction right now. So. Oh, they are building a new school yeah, for, it's being for Brighton built right now. So. I happened to drive by the new Provo High School the other day. Mm-hmm. That place is awesome. 
Yeah, actually, Hillcrest has been rebuilt, too, and it looks pretty nice. Hillcrest needed that. Yeah, it did. They did. I know Skyline will eventually be rebuilt, but I'm not sure. Apparently, Tim views it next up in Utah County. Man, lots of building going on. I've got a new high school opening by me this year, the Cedar Valley Aviators. I like that name. Yeah, they're going to have That's outside the box a little bit. I like well, it. they the, some of the names they originally threw up, like we're gonna do like the Golden Eagles. I'm like, stop with the bird mascots, right? right. <laughs> but they went the Aviators. I'm like, okay, that's I like okay. that. That's a good name. S- shout out to you, Cedar Valley, what Cedar Valley Aviators, Cedar Valley High School, Cedar Valley High School. Um, Jake, I asked you before the break, and mm-hmm. Alex can get in on this as well. If you could make it in one professional sport, what would it be? Now I know the easy answer is golf because that's the one. But yeah. I'm gonna narrow it down to the final four here, the big four. Okay. Uh, NHL, MLB, NFL, and the NBA. If you thought you could make it, which league would you want to be in? Uh, just speaking for me, NFL. I'm a football judge. Really? So yeah. you're going to go with the short career, unguaranteed. I get, I get it. Okay. I, get I did that. not expect NFL to be the I man. get that, but that's, that's, that's my dream was to play in the NFL as a youngster, and I quickly realized about age 15, I'm like, nope, not making that. But okay, cool. I can work in sports media. What about you? You know, so it might seem like I would go with the same answer because I also love football. I grew up playing it, mm-hmm. you know, really wanted to. My dream was to play in college and realized very, very, very quickly that that wasn't a possibility for yes. me. Uh, but I actually, if I could, if I could go back and do it and be good enough to play in any one of those or even have a shot, it would be Major League Baseball. Okay. okay. Because you play one day there, guaranteed health coverage for life. Mm. I didn't know that part of it. So if you even show up in the show for one day. If you play in one game, sweet, okay, that's then okay you are say. covered. The sweet. thing that scares set. me about Major League Baseball is I don't want to play in the minors. Yeah, that's – The minor league system is uh, it's a bugaboo there. Yeah, I, I think just, I'd go NBA. Give me the guaranteed deal and I'm sitting well, – If the I'm thing. the 12th guy in the bench but I'm still making a few million dollars. And that's life. the thing, the NBA in this day and age – Staying in nice hotels. and it's a, it's a, It'd be very attractive, I think, to a lot of guys. The reason for this, okay. and if you haven't heard this story, Jake, I'm about to blow your mind. I don't think mind. I have. A so. young man by the name of Nathan Patterson. Okay. Um, him and his brother went to uh, a Colorado Rockies game. Okay. And uh, they're there as spectators, and they went down to that little fast pitch cage game thing. You know, you see at Lagoon or you know other places. I saw this in passing. And he uh, he got his the he got the radar to pick him up around ninety six miles an hour. And uh, dude, yeah, so he's out there, he's ripping the ball ninety six miles an hour. Well, the Oakland Athletics uh-huh. got a hold of this video, and they signed him to a contract. You're kidding me. And, uh, yes, so the Oakland Athletics, and he's going to be uh, heading to, it looks like, AAA maybe. And, so, hold uh, on. This is the rookie in real life, the movie with Yes, this is essentially the rookie. Wait, how old is it? Uh, it's, I'm not sure. Let me see. Dennis Quaid in that movie. 23 years old. So, he's a little younger, but still. But he, uh, he hit 96 mile an hour. He probably had a beer in his left hand. I don't know. But how did he not realize that he had a gift to throw a baseball 90 miles an I hour? I think maybe he did. I don't know the, much of the backstory, but. He uh, yeah, so he got picked up by the A's because of a viral video, and uh, well, he's, he's gonna got, get a, he's gonna get a chance. Can he throw it exactly? Can he throw it in a straight line? Can he throw it over a into plate? A Who knows? Two but, foot by two foot box at the very maximum. You gotta be able to throw. The, it's gotta be accurate. But hey, if this guy succeeds, this is a movie in the making. Oh, absolutely! And, uh, Disney's got, Disney's lining ro- up right now, yep. rubbing their hands. Woo! Billion dollars! Let's go! He's got some royalties coming his way. So. <laughs> 
That's cool awesome. story. That is incredible. I saw that in passing. I saw a guy throwing a thing. I didn't look too far into it because I was at an event. How far can you throw a ball? Or fast? Throw How fast? I think I went to like Lagoon. Maybe I could top 50. Lagoon, I don't ha- know. I think Lagoon still has it. They have one up there where you can throw. And yeah. they go, I think I like like 55. Yeah, I think maybe <laughs> I could top 50. Maybe. I With think a, I, I, I just feel good enough when I can throw it fast enough to register. Right, yeah. Like, the, 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 that it yeah. actually like picks it up. It's like there was movement. I'm, I'm trying like, to right. uh, trying to get that third row of prizes. You I'm, know, the... I'm quite proud of myself because I like, you'll swing simulators for golf. Yeah, yeah. My club head speed is in the triple digits. I'm very happy about that. You do get a good rip on it, Jake. It, sometimes those lefties accuracy is a little bit of an oh issue, yeah it's but, all over the place but, but. i am proud of that triple digit swing club head speed so uh so there you go <laughs> uh nathan patterson trying to make his dreams come true by making Good it luck, major league dude. baseball yeah. he's gonna head to the minors but see what he can do absolutely that's you just awesome. gotta like naturally gotta have that strength in your arm you, you know oh yeah no that's that's a that's a preternatural gift yeah. that you were born with and yeah so Good luck to him. I hope he makes it. All right, that's going to do it for us, Jake. The Movie Zone is coming up next. Sweet. And uh, we're talking bald actors, so uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, with Hobbs and Shaw coming out. So stay tuned. Austin and I will be on The Movie Zone for Jake and Alex. I'm Adrian, and we'll talk to you next week here on The Saturday Show.